Hello, this is Sean Patrick Hannafin, and this is the Compose Pile Episode 5 for December the uh, 12th, 2008. Um, and this is Part 3 of the discussion that uh, Daniel and I had about the Forgotten Wish. Um, let's see, anything I need to say about this? I don't think so. Um, you definitely probably want to listen to the other two parts, Episode 3 and Episode 4, which had the Forgotten Wish Part 1 and Part 2, because if you don't listen to those, then this episode might not make any sense at all, because we start here right where we left off in Part 2, um, analyzing the Forgotten Wish. So many, many thanks to my uh, co-host, Daniel. And uh, thanks for listening, and I hope this podcast will be, um, uh, it, uh, you know, help make you know more about composing, and help make you more of a genius, uh, you know, the genius that that I am. <laughs> uh, okay, thanks for listening. Here we go. Part three of The Forgotten Wish. Lord, make me a great composer. Your work is ingenious. It's quality work. And there are simply too many notes. That's all. Just cut a few and it'll be perfect. Make me famous through the world, dear God. Make me immortal. I never knew that music like that was possible. I was staring through the cage of those meticulous extra. I guess you can't use physical force to make someone like you. That just doesn't. Really <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Like me. <laughs> this is um. George Costan. What's his name? Costanza. <laughs> You're going from a comedian to that's from Seinfeld. Yeah, everybody has to like him. Remember that quote? Oh, 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 oh yeah, okay, George Costanza from Seinfeld. Way off, way off topic. Um. Okay. okay um. Uh, so what what was the next thing? Um, I was gonna say something. What was I gonna say? Okay, so yeah, expectations is a whole other subject. Okay, so let's see. So now what we do is, so now we're done with that melody. That melody only played twice in the clarinet and then the oboe, and it had the change. And now we go into um, now there's really no melody in this next part. It's just a, it's just more arpeggios really. Um. And it's some more it's more interesting texture. The uh viola basically I have a lot of pizzicato going on here. Um so we have the viola the violas and cellos continue their pizzicato, but as we're about to hear they're going to change their um rhythm. And the um Well I guess let's they just start out they with They switch off first. every half measure. Right. Eagle so it's kind of like a answer call kind of thing I guess you could call it yeah so it sounds like this so that sounds pretty cool I think yeah answer call is another technique you can use yeah and it sounds uh, with samples you if you have like a real orchestra playing it I in my opinion it'll sound much more um answer call interesting I guess. Oh. <laughs> What'd you say? 
I said answer call again. It'll sound oh, more yeah. <laughs> contrasted. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think because um, like if you have if you're using like GPO or probably any uh, sort of sample library or MIDI, which would be even worse. Um, you yeah, when you have two instruments, they sound similar, and so when you play them, when you put when you play them and you have them doing answer call, but they're playing like the same notes, it's harder to hear the difference between your. It's hard to hear the difference between the two instruments. Whereas well, can, if you have it's the tone. Yeah, but but in a in a real orchestra, you can have two flutes, but because they're playing by uh, two different flutists, in my opinion, at least from just hearing recordings. Uh, it's easier to hear the difference between the two different oh. flutes, just the tiny little variations between their tone. Whereas when you're using GPO, you have the same flute over and over. You know, it's always the same exact tone that you're getting from that flute. Whereas with real flutes, if you have, you know, two different flute players, they're going to have a different tone just because, you know, there will be little tiny variations in the tone. It'll still sound, you know, like a flute, but you'll be able to hear the difference if they're doing an answer call kind of thing. So there are like, um, if you look at Tchaikovsky, uh, the example that first comes to my mind, there's the Tchaikovsky symphony where he has the symphony, where he has the two, he has two flutes doing a sort of answer call kind of thing. And if you were doing that with a sample library, I would think it would be really hard to hear the difference. But with a real orchestra, it sounds much better. So that's a... So if you ever end up writing off. for real orchestras, if you're successful enough, then keep that in mind. Yes. So that's one of the... Um, I have no idea what that is. That's an interesting <laughs> little tidbit. I, guess, I don't know. So it's so it's interesting to do... You might not think... I guess I guess you might not think to do it in when you're using samples and stuff because it sounds the same, so you might be... Um, what do you call it? discouraged to do it yourself but it's a, it, it it sounds a lot better with the real orchestra okay there you go okay <laughs> i don't know if that was another thing i wanted to add was the you know the whole part with the i can't really sing it but you probably know what i mean the violins the accompaniment whole complex thing the arpeggios it's pretty fast paced it's a really fast passage and then there's a whole simple melody thing going on with the clarinet and it's just doing it's like woo along really simple and that contrast between simplistic and complex is really cool and just another technique you can try yeah it's a like a rhythmic i guess i guess you could say it's a rhythm well it's mo well yeah it's a rhythmic slash arpeggio and i do that a lot of time in my uh, music where i have if i want to create emphasis on a melody, I'll have the accompanying instruments be like whizzing about. Yeah, I've heard that um, in your music before. It's really cool. Yeah, and that's uh, you know I'm, I'm, a lot of other composers do that too. But um, I don't know if you listen to like Mozart and stuff. Instead of doing arpeggios, you'll have um, just the same note over and over, but repeating really fast, so it creates that fast rhythm. And I'm sure there's some musical terms that that I'm tremolos. Hmm? Tremolos? It's like, it's the... like, well, it's like tremolos, but it's not that fast. Oh. I guess, yeah, it's, well, okay, well, uh, you might call it tremolos, but... Whatever. But, you know, it's like on the beat 16th notes, but it's the same note. Yeah. Or, or more, I don't know. 
Okay, going on. Okay, I probably just made myself sound really dumb there. But here, so let's see, what do we have now? We have, oh, and then the uh, violins. They were playing, so they were playing those Arco arpeggios, really rapid arpeggios. And now they s stop, and they turn into uh, staccato, I think? Yeah. Yeah, little little itty-bitty staccato notes to accompany. And I guess, if anything, these are the melody, really, I, in, in a way, um, even though it's really, really simple. And so the violin plays uh, plays these notes right here. Uh, so I guess that's the melody. And then finally, the only other thing we have is the harp doing these sixteenth uh, note little arpeggios, and uh, they sound like this. So it's really, really bright harp. You know, it really makes it stand out, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. So, yeah, it's kind of a main thing that people are listening to. Well, that split between the staccato violin notes. Yep. Whoops. Okay, so let's see. So all together, that sounds like this. There we go. That was... And that's all there is. So it's only those five instruments. Nice and simple. And mostly strings, really. Or f four instruments. Yeah, four instruments. Yeah. Strings and harp. That's all it is. Um, I think, yeah, it is. Okay, and then up here... This is the oh, oh, and we had another modulation in there. <laughs> From A minor to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like right in the middle of there, really subtle. Yeah, and then this this is some this isn't so far I was just going down a major third, but here it's something weird. <laughs> from E minor to C minor, so that's down a major third. Then from C minor to A minor, which is down a minor third, and now we're going up to C sharp minor, or you could say E, e major, yeah, which is up a major third. So it's everything in thirds, but it's um kind of weird it's all over the place kind of thing so it probably doesn't really even matter um so it went it, it was another m mid melody kind of modulation there but i think that was probably the smoothest of them all so far because i think by this point in these in the piece you're kind of expecting those modulations at this point because they've been happening you know that's the like the fourth one so it's expected, third. except it's not expected. It isn't? It is. Maybe. Well, you don't know what to expect, well, but, <laughs> but at that point you're expecting the unexpected, so it's expected that you won't have expected it. <laughs> Wait, um. what? Okay, never mind. Um. <laughs> uh, okay, so at this point, so now we're in a new key again, and we have, and now the piccolo and the flute... And I think they're like doubling in octaves or double octaves or something. Yeah, I think they're just like two octaves apart, I think. 
uh, and they're doing the well. Let me go ahead and play it. They're doing some really rapid sixteenth note uh, arpeggio kind of things. Sound like this. Yeah. So I hope I don't know. Would that be fun to play or not? I don't know. That'd be. I think that'd be fun. That might be hard. I don't know about breathing room. He should always give the wooden some breathing room. Might be hard. Yeah. Like, ah, where's the breathing room? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I, I was constipated with <laughs> <really> that. <laughs> so have, Those are the thoughts. Yes, the th have, thoughts of a woodwind is are constipated. <laughs> I have no. Yeah, I give him no breathing room at all. So after that, they they'll probably all pass out. Unfortunately. <laughs> but oh well, too bad for them. But that that's why you made the bassoonists take a break. Yeah, and that's another thing that um, Wait. what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, never mind. Never mind. The uh, what was I gonna say? I made uh, you lose your train of thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, na -na 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 -na. Uh, what was I? Gonna say? Oh, I, was, uh, I can't remember now. Oh yeah, breathing room. So that's another. Uh, that's something that. Um, you're allowed to do with uh, that's one of the things you can get into trouble with with working with um, fake instruments when you're writing on the computer whether you're working with MIDI or sample instruments is that they don't lose their breath you get so you distracted go on and on and on and on but I still so do it all the time because it sounds good and uh, basically if you're a flutist or a piccolo player you just have to I guess uh either practice circular breathing or practice holding your breath for a long, long time uh, <laughs> to be able to... Big lungs. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, so we have those woodwinds, and then doubling, also doubling the woodwinds is the violins. And so together those three sound like this. I think that's the melody. That's what I sort of hum in my head. Oh, this part, the... Yeah, that part. Yeah, I guess I guess it is. Cause yeah, I guess the melody is. Yeah, because I don't think anything yeah. else is really doing anything interesting. I don't know. I still don't. I really. It's. I still don't want to call these things melodies because they're still so yeah. weird. Melodies. To, for me. Man. Because I don't, because I don't, because, you know, they're unlike any of my other melodies, so I always want to call them, like, texture, m motif, melody kind of thing, I don't know. Anyway, all together, those three sound like this. Um, and I think one thing to mention is that, uh, I have, when you, when you, um, when you pair the violins... With woodwinds, especially when the strings are, what else? Yeah, when you double the uh, strings with woodwinds like that, sometimes when you're listening to it, it can be hard to hear the woodwinds. So you might not, e when you're listening, you might not even realize they're there. But if you take them out, you can hear the difference. So they kind of, they kind of, they, in my opinion, they kind of add like a breathy quality to the. Uh, to the violin. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So I do that a lot. Uh, I do that pairing of woodwinds with strings a lot, and 
you know, and so do other composers. So when you're listening to classical music, when that happens, sometimes you don't even realize it. You know, it just sounds like it's just the strings, and you kind of have to pay attention to realize that it's also being doubled, and that's what's cre- and that's what's creating the sort of breathy quality to the to the strings, I guess. Yeah. Like some so sometimes it's hard to realize, and then and then you're like, wow, how do the strings sound like that? And it's because it's being doubled with woodwinds. <laughs> uh, I don't know if people ask that. I think they just assume that it's the woodwinds. <laughs> I don't well, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I because sometimes when I was listening, I can't. I don't realize it at first that they're being doubled because they're playing so in sync, I guess. And the and the strings are mm-hmm. so loud that I just I I don't hear the. Uh, I don't hear the woodwinds directly, but after paying attention for a while, I hear them. I don't know. Oh, maybe I'm just like really. Not a very good listener. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. Here's the... And then the uh, cellos and violas are still playing pizzicato, and their rhythm has... It's another kind of antiquated thing, except a bit different. Yeah, it's like a... Yeah. Of arpeggio type. So, and that's, so it's like it's like answer call, except each of their answers and calls have become ex- doubled, I guess. So it sounds like this. And they almost sound like, um, especially when you're doing pizzicato, where it's, you know, you have one going downwards and then you have the other going downwards as well. They kind of blend together and they can almost sound like the same instrument. Right? Yes? I think, yeah. <laughs> um, and then what else is there? And th- and then there's finally, so it's... Uh, oh, no, I have two other instruments in here. Oh, this is when the percussion comes in. Um... But first, I should mention the harp. The harp is just playing some more weird. No, not the harp. The celesta is playing some more weird. It's playing its own accompaniment. Yeah, it's like playing. It's I guess you could call them arpeggios, right? They're kind of some weird arpeggio yeah. figures, and they sound like they're, this. They're um, hmm? they're really subtle. It's hard to pick. It's hard to pick out like what the actual notes are, but it sounds really cool overall. So, yeah, it's like, oh, what's that Celeste doing? <laughs> yeah, it's playing, and it, well, okay, here, I'll just go ahead and play it first. So there, I don't know what that is, that's just a little... So for those of you that know this song, the secret has been revealed. That's what the Celeste <laughs> is doing. Yes. Yeah, because they blend in with everything else, so they might be kind of hard to yeah. hear in a way, but you can hear that they're doing something. Um, Especially with those yeah. big, with this phrase right here, because it's like a huge note difference there. I think it's an octave. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it is an octave. Um, uh, so let's see. And then, so the cellistas are doing that, and then f- I have the, um. what do I have here? I have the... The tambourine and the uh, cha- no sleigh bells. Sleigh bells, yeah. The sleigh bells and the tambourine, and they're playing on the beat like this. So they kind of sound boring by themselves, um, but you put all of that together, and it all it's sounds a like ditty in the background. Yeah. 
See what I mean? It's really cool. It's a, like the, the the you hear the Celesta, it's hard to pick out, but it's really cool. You, you can still hear it. Yeah, let me play it again real quick. Yeah, you can hear that it's you can hear you can hear its tone in there, but you can't really make out its notes. Um, and uh, I guess I should also mention the um, uh, percussion. Oh, the percussion. The reason I picked out those percussion instruments is because they're both very um, and I do this a lot too. They're both very chimey. Chimey. Kind of, yeah, they're ringy. You know, they're kind of sprinkly. I guess. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, they match the whole tone of. You yeah. know, with the Chalessa doing whatever it is, and it's really cool, chimey sound. Yeah, if I had Triangle done... is also another chimey. Yeah, I could have put, put a triangle in there. The triangle. triangle is really distinct, though. It's, like, very... Yeah. I don't know, it doesn't... It's really... It, um, how do you say? It's kind of... Conspicuous? It's, well, it's hard to be subtle with it. I think. Maybe. That's well, not always. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It depends on what you're doing. Because I have heard it. Well, I don't know. No, no, I think no, because I've heard it being subtle before, so I shouldn't say that. Okay, never mind. Um. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, so the triangle would have worked in there too. I think. Well, yeah, if you're doing the triangle really softly, I think it would have worked. But you know, the the triangle is also, I think, very good at being very piercing and loud and. Maybe. Yeah. If you do it really loudly. <laughs> um. It's very good at at getting attention to the triangle, depending on whether or not. But you know, it can also be very subtle. So I could have used it very subtly, but I did it. Um. But anyway, so those instruments. But I could. I probably could not have used like maracas or wooden blocks. <laughs> they just probably. That'd be really have, weird. They wouldn't have sounded. Use a bass drum at one point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and that's coming up I think right right. Yeah, that's the next thing. Yeah. Okay. With the so I think Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this is so this next so uh let's see. Yeah, so after all that it basically repeats itself except we're going to do another mid melody uh modulation in here from to uh from C sharp minor to D minor if you care about that sort of thing. I think that's just what it is. Um, anyway, but so this is one of my favorite parts because all of a sudden, like the bass comes in really loud, and we have the bass drum in here, and then the uh, and the, the double trombone. Bases. Is it the trombone? Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the trombone comes in. The tr so the trombone comes in, the bass drum comes in, and the uh, arco double basses come in. And so actually, I should just play all those solos so you can hear them. sounds very menacing kind of yes and it's very um very loud so it kind of, it really you know it's very easy to hear that all the sun it comes in it kind bass of drum and blasts its way in. Uh, um is yeah bass drum is good with those kind of bass instruments like doubling sort of the rhythm right especially you can do that trombone and bass drum i do that a lot trombone sounds really good with bass drum um so yeah 
Uh, so then, and I think everything else is pretty much the same. Yeah, it's just, and then it's the same melody, except with those with the with the bass drum, trombone, and arco double basses in there coming in. Do 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 do. Um, and then halfway through that, you have the modulation. So altogether, that sounds like this. Symbols. Yes, right about then, to come up. Yes, and then so in this next measure you have. Let me see. Everything everything changes here. I think. Um, well, actually, you still have the. We still have the. What do I have here? Oh, so we. So I think <laughs> this is probably like the most melodic thing I have in here, in my opinion, at least. So the melody comes in on the uh, oboe, and it's a very staccato-like melody. And uh, that sounds like this. Um, and that is being doubled by the uh, violins, both the violins, both the violin sections. And so together they all sound like this. Uh, staccato violins, I should say. So together they both sound like this. I guess to mention the accompaniment, the uh, what is this here? The celesta, the and the pizzicato strings are just playing little. Uh, I think they're just little arpeggios going back and forth between two notes. So they sound like this. <laughs> and I think the only other thing I have. Oh, I guess uh, the uh, percussion has also changed in rhythm, so that now sounds like this. I think it's mostly just the tambourine, and it goes like this. Yeah, so that's not very interesting, but it creates more, it increases the rhythm, sort of, I guess, I don't know. Uh, let's see what, uh, and then we still have the double basses, the trombone, and the bass drum in there and at the start of that melody we had the uh, cymbals <laughs> to start off that melody so all together that all sounds like this and so that's probably my favorite part of the whole piece because again it's the probably that's the peak yeah it's like the climax I guess um because the uh, all good songs have a climax. Yes. You should keep that in mind, people. <laughs> when I started to compose, I didn't really have any climaxes. It was all kind of the same, not really any dynamics. So just consider trying, like, to build into a climax at one point, because all it's, good songs have that. Yeah, and it uh, well, yeah, I, I have my um. I don't know. I think I don't think it's something you can kind of force into your pieces. Though you kind of have to get a feeling for it. You kind of have to. As yeah. you were composing, you kind of have to say, okay, I need to start building to a climax here or something like that. Because I don't think it's something you can, you know, if you force it in there, it's probably, you know, I don't know. You kind of have to get a feeling for where it has to come in. Because there are some pieces, like, especially if you're composing with a small amount of instruments, like I just uh, finished composing a um, 
piece for all pizzicato strings, and it, it's really hard to get a sort of a climax in there because it's it's only four instruments. Yeah, the small ensembles doesn't really need a climax, but you know, for the full orchestral pieces, I suggest that you try your best to create a c- climax at one point. Yeah, and I think the I guess the easiest thing to say for a climax in something with a full orchestra, or at least an orchestra of some sort, is just the the loudness of it. When you have everything <laughs> becoming really loud, that's probably what your climax yeah, is. Yeah, and it got to flow. I mean, you got to build up. Yeah, it's, and and slowly build up to it. I think that's probably the easiest way to get, you know, psychologically, the easiest way to get a climax. I don't know. I don't. Not sure I ever heard many symphonic climaxes that are really soft <laughs> and really quiet. <laughs> that would be really weird. Um, yeah, it's like forte. But but even in a yeah forte is in case you don't in case you don't know your musical vocabulary. Piano is soft. It means and loud. Forte is loud, and so a um. The, so the piano, the instrument piano, actually means piano soft, thing. but but the original name for the piano was the pianoforte because it be, could be loud and soft, which was a new development because the harpsichord really? couldn't really, yeah, because the harpsichord couldn't really do that. It had the one dynamic. So when they came out with the piano, it was like kind of new that you can now, you know, you hit the key harder, it sounds louder. So it's a, so it can we're, be piano we're doing soft. That. And it can be forte loud. That's common knowledge. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure it's in a. I'm sure I read it in a book somewhere, or heard about it somewhere. Oh, I, don't well, know. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. Sir. I, uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So its original name was a uh, piano forte, but over the years, it's just become known as a piano. But it means soft so that's why you you know so when you're looking at a score and it has a p that stands for piano which means play softly um or you can have a a mp which is mezzo piano which is like sort of soft and then mf which is mezzo forte so it's, it's like sort of loud and then you have forte Hey, I thought you weren't doing music theory. I know I shouldn't, but I just I just have to because it makes me feel so smart. Um, but it's really, really <laughs> this, this is really really basic music. This isn't hardly hardly. Yeah, music you should theory. get it. Um, Google it if you if you don't know that much about music. I suggest you do before you compose. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think because that's one of the things. So like uh, going off on another tangent here. Um, Especially if you're using a notation program, you should know that, music. Well, I don't know, because that's one of the things... Like, when I started composing, I didn't know any music theory at all, and I think one of the best ways to learn music theory is to try composing it. So I think you oh. should I think you should try composing it before you read any books about it, because otherwise you might get into the trap of thinking you have to... Because, uh, th- you know, I, I think that's... You can't really learn... I mean, you know, you can learn music theory, but you can't really learn how to compose from a book. You have to actually get in there and do it and, and you know, get experience. That's how I you learned. Know, you can't... Yeah, you can't replace experience. How you, what do you learn about, huh? You learn... Yeah, that's, that's how I learned. I com- learned by, how to compose by composing. Yeah, exactly. So... so that's Sounds what, good. Sound good. You just got to have the ear. 
Yeah. So, but yeah. So that's and it can be developed. Re, re, yeah, yeah. Through through experience, through practice, you have to. You have to. Uh, I don't. You can't. You can't replace it. So that's one of the reasons I really don't want to go into music theory in the first. You know, not that I mind going off into little tangents of music theory, but as long as you have some kind of a an example that you can apply it to, because otherwise, if you're just doing kind of abstract music theory, in my in my opinion and in my experience, it can be hard to know exactly how to apply that, especially if you're not practicing composing yourself. Okay, so mm. that was my tangent. Hopefully, it made sense. Okay, <laughs> I think it did. Um. All right, next part of the song. We're so yeah, like so that's uh, for an hour. <laughs> so it's. Uh, forte and blah 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 blah. Um. So where were we? Oh yeah. So oh, the other thing I wanted to say about this uh, melody in here that we just heard. Let me play it again to refresh everyone's memory since I just went off on that tangent. So it sounded like this. <laughs> um. So the other thing that was kind of it was. It's almost, I think, in in my opinion, sort of playful how it does it because it uh, it has the whole orchestra, not the whole orchestra, but it has a, probably the largest amount of orchestra it has in the piece at this point because it's kind of like the climax. But at the last, you know, it's like a four-measure melody there, but in the last measure, like, all the instruments drop out except for two, and they just play that one phrase. Yeah, it's really unexpected, and it catches the listener's attention. Yeah. It's just kind of all yeah. of a sudden it drops. Yeah, everything just drops out, and it goes... And it plays that last phrase of the melody. So that sounds interesting, I guess. Um, and I don't know if, you know, if I had done that kind of thing in a normal piece of mine, it probably would have sounded weird and out of place extremely. But in a piece like this where it's modulating and it's kind of a an experimental piece anyway, I think it kind of, it kind of goes with the piece. Um, yeah. And then the... Uh, uh, and then it basically repeats itself, and the cymbals blast again. So you have, you know, you just have the entire like orchestra drop out and have those two instruments plays, and then everything just boom comes back in. And we have another modulation here in mid melody because I keep doing it, and I think it goes back to A minor. And so when it repeats, it sounds like this. <laughs> So you could hear that modulation in there. Hopefully, I think, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, then it plays, and I think I, when it plays that final phrase, I just added the uh, violins in there, so not as, so instead of having two instruments play, you're having three instruments there. Um... And I think that's it. Oh, and then and then so that was the climax, and then it goes right back to where it was at the very beginning of the piece, except it's in a new key now, uh, with the harp and celesta doubling each other in these arpeggios. Yeah, it's back to the beginning. Yep. Um, and I th and it basically stays like that for a while. I think. Well, yeah, because the pizzicato strings come in just as they did at the beginning. Um, so the next uh, eight measures are basically a copy from the beginning, but transposed into a new key. So that sounds like this. 
instead of doing the same melody that I had at the beginning of the piece, I kind of do, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm kind of doing something. It's, weird. Not, it's not a melody, but it's a really cool woodwind sort of flowy harmony, harmonic sort of wavy crossing each other. You got to hear it. <laughs> yeah, basically it's this phrase. Let me play it. It comes in first in the um, English horn and it sounds like this. And it's basically just that over and over again. Um, but Except the, it's with all the other woodwinds. Are yeah, and then, and then the other woodwinds do that exact same phrase, except they're they come in late they come in later at different intervals so they're so it's that same thing in in uh the let me see the flute comes in next and then the bassoon comes in and then the clarinet comes in and they all do that phrase over and over except they um they came in at different times so they're playing different parts of that phrase at different times so together those all sound like well yeah i guess i can go and just do them all together here. So all together they sound like this. Let me see. I said they were playing the exact same phrase, but they kind of they do change a little now and then so that they can stay within the harmony and, and sound somewhat interesting. So they're kind of, some of them kind of go off on their own little tangents, but they're still within those same notes, so they're still all intertwining and stuff. And then one by one, near the end, they kind of drop out. The uh, English horn drops out, and then the bassoon drops out, and then the clarinet drops out, and then all you get left is the flute doing that phrase over and over again. So that sounds like this. <laughs> And so somewhere in there, the flute went went uh, way up high in those last three measures. It went way up high so that it could stand out from the crowd. So it's it's like all the woodwinds kind of melded together, and then the flute won in the battle or something. I don't know. <laughs> Except it was a very nice, pleasant battle that everybody. <laughs> um, and then it basically repeats that, and I have repeat marks right in the score. So. It was like a really, even, a really even lazy repeat. You know? um, but there's a modulation to a new key, like uh, uh, like five measures into it, um, between these two measures right here. Yeah. So it's another subtle little modulation that, again, probably doesn't sound that surprising after the rest of the piece, but it's still uh, and then as a whole, how does it sound like? Yes, and then so in the uh, harp and celesta and all the pizzicatos, they're doing the same thing they were just doing, so all together. And then it repeats that.
and that was part three of the Forgotten Wish, uh, our discussion. Um, and in fact, at the end of this discussion, I actually lost uh, my Skype contact with Daniel, so the next episode is just me blathering on and on and on about the end um, of it. And I don't know if, if I'll be able to post it uh, before the end of this month, since, you know, Christmas is coming up, holidays, and everybody wants to go buy lots of stuff, spend money, and because Christmas is all about material items. <laughs> it is for me, at least. Um, you know, the spirit of Christmas is wealth and getting stuff. Um, so I don't know if, if it'll be, uh, if it'll be uploaded before or after. It might, you know, it might be into the new year. Um, so that is the end of episode five, so stay tuned for episode six, uh, in which we discuss the, in which I discuss the, uh, the final, the last few measures of The Forgotten Wish. I don't know how long of a podcast it'll be, because there really wasn't much left to talk about. Um, but that'll be coming up here soon, hopefully next month. Thanks for listening. Hope you gained something from it. And if you didn't, I really don't care. Just leave me alone.